What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of Be Shafe Daily. It's Brendan Schaefer back with you here on Monday, August 16th. It's been a couple of days since we've had an episode of Be Shafe Daily, and only good things have happened for the Cardinals since we last spoke. We talked about this schedule. Cardinals are in the middle of it right now, a stretch where they play a lot of soft competition, teams that they have a chance to beat up on and rack up some W's, the idea being to claw their way back into a respectable point in the standings, and the Cardinals have done that. They are definitely back now to respectability, certainly within the context of the National League wildcard standings. We'll break down all the numbers for you on tonight's episode, but the division is still a little bit far-fetched. The National League Central, the Cardinals still trail the Milwaukee Brewers by double digits. Heading into, though, an important series between the Cardinals and Brewers this week. At Bush Stadium, Cardinals will be returning home, excited to get back to Bush on Tuesday. And it's all right there in front of them at this point. The Cardinals, the rest of the way, I mean, we're in mid-August at this point, so really about six weeks remaining in the season. And the Cardinals play the Milwaukee Brewers 13 more times. They play the Chicago Cubs seven more times. They still have some games remaining against the Pittsburgh Pirates, who they've beaten up on over the last week and a half or so in the opportunities they've had against them. The Kansas City Royals, talk about a godsend, that the Cardinals are matched up with KC in the interleague six-game series this season. It was the AL Central versus the NL Central Cardinals and Royals, of course, are interleague rivals. The I-70 series and the Cardinals did great work against the Royals over the last week. Five out of six, and they swept the Pirates as well. It has encompassed for the Cardinals a run eight of their last nine games they've won. And this is exactly what had to happen in the aftermath of that Atlanta Braves series where the Cardinals were swept, where it seemed like at the beginning of August they had a chance to get the right footing to make a push in the standings, and then they go and get swept, and you're like, well, that doesn't really that doesn't really help. They were just coming off a series win over the Twins. Everything was setting up in a really nice fashion, but then the Cardinals fell flat against the Braves, and you thought, well, now this business of just barely going above 500 over these bad teams, that's not going to cut it. You're going to have to do something spectacular to catch our attention to be able to give us a belief that this thing's not over. And clearly the Cardinals in that clubhouse did not believe this thing was over because they have since done everything they needed to do over their last nine games and three series against essentially last place competition as the Royals now have fallen into last in the AL Central behind Minnesota. And certainly we know where the Pittsburgh Pirates stand in the National League Central. So the Cardinals have done their job. They've won eight of their last nine. The Chicago Cubs, O of their last 10. The Pirates have lost 9 of 10. Looking around at some of the bottom feeders in the league, we've talked about this, that it's just the haves and the have-nots at this point. After the trade deadline, lines were drawn in the sand. The Cubs are no longer competitive. They have lost 12 in a row as of this recording. And I bring them up in, in conjunction with the Pirates just to show that it's all out there for the Cardinals because you still have this Pittsburgh team for another series coming up in August. 
You get seven against the Cubs in addition to those 13 against the Brewers. So it's there. I know you're down 10 games in the division, but if you if you go positive against the Milwaukee Brewers the rest of the way, and they'll have every chance to begin that with the series at Bush Stadium this week, I can't even say that the Cardinals, the way they're playing right now, are out of it in the division. Right? We've seen August 25th, I believe, was the date. Ten and a half games back was the number. That was in 2011. Cardinals came back to close that gap and win that division and win the World Series. Ten years ago. Lots of celebrations of that 2011 team going on this season. I believe David Freeze will be in the house on Tuesday, so that's exciting. Blast from the past there, as I believe he's being honored. Cardinals now five games above 500. We talked about how difficult it was, how long it took them to get away from the magnet that had been 500 on their season. And now they've done that. They've roared right past it, and they're playing their best baseball of the year heading into what to date has will have been their most pivotal series of the year. San Diego Padres letting them back into the wild card mixture absolutely where they're 67 and 54 Cardinals record at 61 and 56 so you're two back in the loss column and four back overall Cardinals winners of six in a row so some exciting times right now for St. Louis baseball I should mention the Atlanta Braves now have taken the lead in the east and so you don't feel quite as bad as you did at the beginning of August when you got swept by them that maybe is a team on the rise I believe at the beginning of the season, they were my pick to win the East. The Braves took their sweet time, kind of like the Cardinals coming into their own. Braves now four in a row, eight of their last ten, up on the Phillies, up on the Mets, who are starting to fall behind in the NL East standings. But the Cardinals are right where they need to be. You know, just think about a week ago, two weeks ago at this time, we weren't talking about the probability of the Cardinals making the playoffs. We just said, hey, you got to win a game. you got to string together wins, a series. And now they've come up with a couple of sweeps in a row right off of that series win against Kansas City at St. Louis, and then they go on the road and they win. They sweep the road trip against inferior competition. It's exactly what you could have asked for. We'll recap the last couple of games, Saturday, Sunday, in Kansas City because we have not yet spoken about those games I mentioned after Friday's episode I'd be heading to the family farm for the weekend. It was a wonderful time. Only downside really to the trip was Saturday night throwing the football around a little bit too excitedly. Maybe not realizing how much uh, tension I was putting on my muscles. Woke up, my arm is really sore. I've got bowling on Thursday, so that'll be my first bowling league for like a decade. And So I want to be ready. I want to be prepared when I get into that. Got to rest this arm at this point. But Cardinals... Over the Royals of the weekend, the first game that we're going to talk about was Saturday's 9-4 victory. Kansas City got some hits against Cardinals pitching. John Lester getting his first win, scattered seven hits and a couple of walks in five and two-thirds innings. I'd say his first win, his first win with the Cardinals. This was the John Lester outing that St. Louis was looking for. Cover some innings, give you a good chance to win. Yeah, do you allow some base runners? Sure, nine and, and fewer than six innings. It's not an ideal whip situation, but Cardinals were able to score for him. They got to Brad Keller. Were able to get some runs against the Kansas City starter in an impressive fashion. It was a big weekend for Nolan Arenado, who went double digits in the RBI department during the series in Kansas City. 
on Saturday. It was a home run and a double for Nolan. Four of his RBIs coming in that game. Coming through in a big way. You had Lester come through. You look at the names in the bullpen that you went to on Saturday. Good outing from Helsley. Luis Garcia, somebody that we really maybe need to give a little bit more attention to in the job that he's been doing out of the Cardinals bullpen. His numbers since coming to St. Louis have been pretty darn fantastic. I'll look it up for you and give you the, the lowdown, but 4.26 now is his ERA for the season. And you remember he had some games with the Cardinals early on that were a little bit troublesome, gave up a few earned runs early on. But he's on a stretch now where he's, you know, that 4.26 number, it's not half bad, and he's, of late in particular, been pretty strong for the Cardinals. So you got an outing from him. Andrew Miller kind of regressed a little bit, giving up three runs on Saturday and only recording one out. Got knocked around a little bit with four base hits against him. Henesis Cabrera, though, able to come in and finish things off in the ninth inning. That was a blowout win for the Cardinals. They're up 9-1 to one, heading into the bottom of the ninth. They did a great job to tack on their runs. The seventh inning in particular was where they kind of busted that game wide open. And they did what they needed to do against competition that, you know, was inferior. Coming into the series, we knew that was the case. Cardinals had just seen this team in the previous week, or weekend, I should say, back in St. Louis. They were able to tack on those runs. Mentioned the big seventh inning. Part of that was Nolan Arenado. Hitting his homer in that inning. Paul Goldschmidt driving in runs. Cardinals all around. Great job offensively. And even when it doesn't come in the first few innings for the Cardinals, good to see them be able to score in multiple innings and get to nine runs. Because they don't score any runs in the first four innings of that game, but they score in three total innings of the last five. Crooked numbers in each case, getting to nine. Insurance runs. Pretty good bullpen effort outside of Andrew Miller. Just a lot of good things that you saw from the Cardinals on Saturday, and they weren't done there. They followed up on Sunday with Jay Happ, who's been... I mean, Jay Happ is a 1.62 ERA with the Cardinals. And I remember back on the trade deadline day when we were looking at Jay Happ and looking at his numbers, and I was maybe as shocked as anybody to see that the Cardinals just traded for a guy who had a 9.22 ERA for the month of July. That was not good. And there weren't a lot of signs necessarily that it would inevitably turn around you know the numbers that Jay Happ had at the time were numbers that you'd expect of a guy who you just saw the Cardinals pick up off the scrap heap after a DFA he traded John Gant and a minor leaguer to get this guy in a rental situation they must have saw something and we said that day look I'm not saying it's impossible that Jay Happ is going to end up being fine for the Cardinals but he's been better than fine He's been like the the next coming of Wade LeBlanc, who Cardinals are hopeful that maybe he won't be out all that long, is the word on his elbow situation. We'll see how quickly he's able to return for St. Louis. But Hap has been, you know, 16.2 innings, 16 and two-thirds. It's an average of handily above five at this point, about five and a half innings per start. Two and one record for the team when he starts, and you get another tremendous outing on Sunday. And in this game, Cardinals did score early. Now, they they got out to a 7-0 lead and didn't score a single run over their final seven innings. Didn't have to. I remember listening to this game on Sunday, and as Andrew Kisner was set to bat in the bottom of the first inning with the bases loaded, the nine-hole batter in that inning, Cardinals batted around. 
I said, if Kisner puts one in the gap here, this game's over before the Cardinals ever have to even take the field defensively. I figured if you get it to 6 nothing at that point, if he if he gaps one and clears the bases, that ball game's over before Jay Happ has to throw his first pitch of the night or the afternoon. Kisner didn't come through there, but in the top of the second inning, the Cardinals were right back at it. All over Bubich in that game. He gives up all seven earned runs. Irvin Santana, he smelled the baseball on Sunday. Cardinals were smelling the baseball on him on Saturday, though, when they scored some runs against him, if I recall correctly, late in that game. 7-2 win for the Cardinals on Sunday. And that's the two acquisitions that you made on trade deadline day. Jay Happ and John Lester over the weekend coming through huge. And now you've got Jack Flaherty back. We talked about him on Friday's episode. Go back and check that out if you missed it. That's how the Cardinals come up with the sweep in Kansas City. And now you start to think about the way the Cardinals project moving forward. While Jack Flaherty looks, he, he looked like he didn't miss anything. He was out for multiple months, and he looked like he was fresh, sharp, everything you'd want to see in his outing on Friday for the Cardinals in Kansas City. He was tremendous. If you get John Lester even half as good as he was on Saturday, really all they need is those six innings and, and two three-earned runs. Give him a chance, quality starts. That's all you're looking for. When you go out and get these guys, you trade away John Gant, you trade away Lane Thomas. Cardinals of the weekend, though, from from Jay Happ and from John Lester. Those guys combined for over 11 innings, one run. That's tremendous. So if you can get, and again, you're not going to expect that from that, that little duo every time. But if you can get quality starts or, or something near quality start, Neither of those starts technically were quality because both guys only go five and two-thirds. But I don't think the Cardinals are too concerned about that when you don't give up any runs. They're just happy to be able to get consistency from the rotation. It's something that, I mean, they would have killed for these numbers from their starters back in June when every non-Wainwright start was uh, cross your fingers, pray, close your eyes, and hope for the best, and it didn't work out. That was not a strategy that was prudent. And could the front office maybe have gone out and done something sooner? That was that was definitely a topic of conversation at the time. But you got to give credit where it's due. I mean, we, we sat here on this trade deadline day and said, well, it ain't sexy. It's not exciting, but it, at least it's something. But right now, coming off this sweep of Kansas City, you've got to look at the retooled rotation for the Cardinals and say, even with losing Kwon Young Kim and Wade LeBlanc for the time being, both guys on the injured list as of, as of the point right now, you still feel pretty good about this rotation if you get what you got from the veterans over the weekend. The veterans plus Jack Flaherty. And Adam Wainwright will be back in action on Tuesday, leading off a pivotal series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Like I said, Cardinals are down by 10 games from Milwaukee in the division. Probably the one of the best pitching matchups that you're going to see all year, especially if Wainwright is on his stuff. Corbin Burns taking on the Cardinals. If you listen to B-Shape Daily before, you know that's my guy that I very high on him early in the season as a potential Cy Young candidate. And while we understand that right now the Chicago Cubs are barely classified as a AAA team, Corbin Burns with a recent outing against Chicago during which he struck out 15 batters over eight, and he had at one point 10 consecutive Ks, which tied a record. So Corbin Burns will be waltzing into St. Louis on a pretty good run for him. Cardinals actually have some decent numbers against Burns. Several guys have hit him pretty well. Goldsmith average of 462. DeYoung and Carp both at 308 in 13 at bats, I should say. 
in Nolan Arenado, a little bit of success, two for six with an RBI. So I'd be interested to see if the Cardinals look at that, those sample sizes and try to get Matt Carpenter, maybe, and Paul DeYoung into the lineup, if healthy. I know DeYoung was dealing with a little bit of something over the weekend. So we'll see what the lineup ends up being against Burns, but the Cardinals aren't going to, it's not going to come easy. You know, at least the Cardinals now, you, you talk about their rotation, the fact that we can look at it and say, yeah, you feel pretty good about what they can throw out there one through five right now. The Brewers might have the single best one through three for their rotation in the in the National League. And the Cardinals are going to see each of them <laughs> over this midweek series. It's going to be Burns, and then it's going to be Freddie Peralta, and then it's going to be Brandon Woodruff. And that's what could make Milwaukee really a, a dangerous sleeper team for talking about World Series contention. You throw those three guys in the postseason, you get them in a long series, you might see a couple of them twice if, if a series goes six, seven games. That could be dangerous. So the Cardinals are going to, I mean, Milwaukee has lined it up. They know that they're on the brink of potentially running away with this division. And while the Reds are the second-place team, the Cardinals certainly have been hard-charging of late. And if Milwaukee is able to win this series against the Cardinals, I'm not going to say you can kiss the division goodbye, but the Cardinals have to understand that right now their best opportunity to make some noise in the Central, it's great that they've already gained some ground in the wild card. Like, there's a lot to be excited about right now if you're a Cardinals fan compared to where you were nine games ago coming off that sweep against the Braves. But if the Cardinals are going to consider seriously the possibility of a division of an NL Central this season, it's got to start this week against the Brewers. I'm not saying you got to sweep them, but you got to win two out of three to say, hey, for one, we're not going to lose any ground. We'll at least pick up a game. And as the Cardinals that says, hey, we believe that we're still in this mix as well. Because so far, over the last week and a half, the mantra has been, hey, just win the next day's game. Just win that game. Take it one day at a time. And the Cardinals have been the striking epitome of that. Taking care of the Royals, the Pirates, and then the Royals again. Knowing that you have no control over who you play. It's a schedule. It is what it is. Go out and win games. And now they're in a position where they've got some wins banked against the teams that they needed to bank wins against. But you come into this Brewers series and say, all right, same mantra, but the stakes have been raised. Because nobody wants to be in a wild card game situation if they can avoid it. Like, you'd much rather be fighting for a wild card than fighting for nothing, absolutely. But there is still time on the schedule to where if the Cardinals take care of this team in particular, they're not out of the division race. That door is not yet closed. 10 games back right now, you have 13 to play. If you go on a really, like, let's say you go on a really good run and go like 9-4 and four against the Brewers the rest of the way. You only have to pick up five games in the remainder of your season. Now, do I expect 9-4 and four for the Cardinals against Milwaukee? No, they're a really good team. Could you do 8-5? and five? Yeah, you could. they could win eight, of, 8 out of 13. Is that enough? Yeah, maybe not. But right now, it's just about continuing to prove to themselves that, hey, we are able to do this. We, we're not out of the mixture here. And by winning against a quality team like the Brewers, they can give platitudes about how every game is the same. But I do think there would have a little bit of extra meaning to this to say, look, we were able to beat a good team. That's a good thing because we're about to play a lot more of them in September when the Cardinals have to take on the Padres for a series. That's going to be huge considering right now they're in the, the driver's seat in that wild card, but they're starting to 
to loosen their their stranglehold on that second wild card spot. So that could end up being a pivotal series for the Cardinals' aspirations. But you know you're going to play the Dodgers. You're going to play the Mets, who have also stumbled but are within range of not only a wild card but the NL East because of the way that division has played down to the competition of one another this season. So this week is going to be huge. It's going to be a lot of fun at Bush Stadium on Tuesday night. I think if you're a Cardinals fan that you've been hesitant about being, you know, going to a game this year and you maybe you haven't been to any or been to very many, check it out for Tuesday night if you can get some tickets down to Bush because it could be a playoff atmosphere. It should be a playoff atmosphere. I don't know what the attendance is going to be like, but if ever there was a time to go ahead and, and head down, I, I think it's got to be this week. There's absolutely nothing not to like in particular about Tuesday's game where you get a great pitching matchup. You see the Cardinals try to take on Corbin Burns. You get a red-hot Nolan Arenado who's played great baseball coming into the series. You get Adam Wainwright. The way he's pitching, this ought not to be his last year. Adam Wainwright should be... Cardinals should be pressing him for a contract just as soon as this season is over because I think he's made it clear he's not ready to talk about it until the end of the year. But the Cardinals should be all over him and no more of this incentive-laden crap. The dude deserves a guaranteed contract for 22. Do everything. Don't don't make him even have to give it a second thought to whether the money's worth it. And I know he knows he doesn't need the money. He's not in it for, you know, that's not going to be really even a part of his process. But there's no reason to make him, you need to go out and make him feel appreciated for what he's giving you with a nice contract to offer for 22. And he'll decide from there, you know, if he's if he's ready to hang him up or not. But the way he's pitching, tremendous. Nothing short of mind-bogglingly great. All that being said, you never know if it could be the end. When this season ends, it could be the last for Wainwright. So get out to Bush Stadium on Tuesday. I couldn't recommend highly enough and see this guy pitch. Get behind him. Get behind your team if you're a Cardinals fan and say, yep, you know, I haven't loved the the product the front office put on the on the table for a period of this time this season. I haven't loved some of the things I've seen. You know, no no fan base is ever going to be fully satisfied by a performance this year, but there have been plenty about the Cardinals to be disappointed in. But over the last week, 10 days, they've turned things around. They're coming into a critical stretch of their season where if you're a Cardinals fan, I think you ought to be behind this team right now. Because, yes, those wins came against bad clubs, and you'd say, well, I'll wait till I see it. But I think now's the time to go ahead and get behind them because this could be a special week where, you know, sure, it's possible that it, goes the other way when they play against real competition and and you say, see, they are who we thought they were. But you also have the opportunity to support the team. And I think uh, a week that you could look back on and say, wow, this was a week where they solidified that they're actually serious about being a contending team. Because I think when we came into this season evaluating the St. Louis Cardinals, there was a lot of optimism, at least the way I remember it. I could scroll back a you know, 75 or 80 episodes, however many episodes we've had this season, and go back and look, see what the, the topic of conversation was at the time. But I know I know, based on everything we've talked about coming into this season, people were excited about Arenado. They thought this was going to be a season where the Cardinals could make a push. There was disappointment in some of the decisions made to not bring back Colton Wong. Some people thought the rotation needed to be bolstered ahead of time. I wasn't one of those people. I thought they were going to be okay. Injury bug hit him even more heavily than I would have expected. And you know I'm always a guy who talks about in spring, you're going to lose multiple starters. Be prepared for that. Well, they lost more than multiple. They lost some from their depth core as well. And then they weren't reactionary. They they were they were not quick enough to react to that situation. And that cost them games 
during the early to mid portion of the season. But for all the elements that people did say, yeah, I don't know if this is going to be it, I do think there was more a sense of optimism that this team was a team that could return to the postseason. And now they're starting to play like maybe we thought they could play. A big part of that has been the offense of late because even while all the issues were going on with the pitching staff, we still talked about how it boiled down to the offense's ability to keep them in a positive mindset, in a mindset that, oh, sure, we may have given up some runs, but we know our hitters are capable of fighting back into a game. You look over the last week where the Cardinals have rattled off six straight, it's been through a combination of factors. You you score four runs twice against the Pirates, and you get great pitching, allowing one run combined across those two games. But then you score seven. You win a 7-6 to six game that was hard fought. You had to hold on at the end. That was the day where Wade LeBlanc pitched, and he only goes two innings. So the bullpen's got to back you up. I mean, that was... There were a variety of things going on in that game that Cardinals had reason to be proud of. And then over the weekend at Kansas City, the bats came out. Six runs, nine runs, seven runs. You give up a grand total of six runs, so you're, you're pitching well all the same. But just something about when you get the offense the Cardinals have been getting the last four days, seven, six, nine, seven, that's a recipe. That is a winning recipe, and it is not a consistent offensive output that the Cardinals have had really much at all prior to this week of the season. Where even in in the games that they've either lost or won at a lower scoring pace, they're still scoring. They haven't had a game in the last nine, and really a game in the last 11. You can go even back to the Brave series, which they were swept in. But it's all the way back on August 3rd was the last time the Cardinals scored fewer than four runs. And again, We've talked a lot. I cannot tell you how many times I said it this season. That, hey, scoring four runs is not the end-all, be-all. It's not like you're going to come away from a lot of games and say that's enough. The offense produced for us tonight. But it's always been about turning the nights where you as an offense have the look or feel of a team that's only going to score one or two or maybe get shut out and nevertheless finding your way to four or five. That's got to be the minimum. And then from there, it opens up the possibilities to win games in a variety of different ways. And that's what the Cardinals are doing right now. That is the key difference. And I think that positive influence of the offense is what partially leads to some of the performances that you've seen from the pitching staff. Because in the same way that the Cardinals offense seems to where it's not together and it's not coherent and cohesive and able to to mount a charge in games where they're trailing by a heavy amount early... That obviously is going to apply in the reverse, and it did to the Royals on Sunday when the Cardinals jumped out to a 7-0 lead. Of course things became easier for J-Hap at at that point and for the bullpen thereafter because the other team already maybe felt like they were out of it, and you can take advantage of that as a pitching staff. So instead of being on the opposite side of that difficult arrangement, the Cardinals have been forcing the issue with their performance offensively in, in some of the games where they don't score their runs till a little bit later. They're finding that their starting pitching is backing them up and keeping them honest and confident long enough for those runs to come about. It's just a great blueprint right now. The Cardinals are picking each other up in a lot of areas of the game. And yes, I can only say it so many times, but you you beat the Royals, the Pirates, and the Royals. It's not always going to be that way. But for the rest of this month, it kind of is. I mean, you have the Brewers. We're going to talk plenty about that series. But then you still have six games left against the Pirates this month.
If that doesn't smell like at least four wins, should be five plus, I don't know what does. And then the Detroit Tigers, you got two games against them. That's going to be a little trickier. I know that's a losing team still, but they showed the last time you played them, I believe they, they swept the Cardinals in two up in Detroit, that that's not going to be a, a cakewalk by any means. But we talked about this August schedule the entire way, that it had a setup that would benefit the Cardinals because you're playing bad teams and then you're playing teams that you've got to beat anyway because they're contending against you for a postseason spot. Brewers starting on Tuesday, picking up with the Reds at the end of the month. Cardinals are in a great spot right now. They can play a little bit with a nothing-to-lose attitude because I think for a lot of ways they were counted out, understandably so, that they weren't getting the kind of attention. Now I think they maybe should be getting a little bit more attention. I saw Jeff Passan had an article on ESPN Plus that was about the remaining contenders and the number of games they had each left against some of the real bottom feeders, which we that's been a theme that we've talked about a lot on the show. The Pirates being a bottom feeder, the Royals being a bottom feeder, the Cubs certainly now, the Nationals looking like a bottom feeder as well. And just stacking up how those games are going to impact postseason races because it's almost like a free square in bingo at this point. For some of these games where you just you feel like it's really hard to lose very many of those games against those kinds of teams. The Cardinals stack up even after playing their last nine games against those kinds of teams. The Cardinals still they still stack up really favorably in that category because they've got six left against Pittsburgh and they've got seven left against the Cubs. Now, every other game besides those 13, they're against contenders, as long as you count the Mets as contenders anyway. But great. I mean, that's exactly what you should want. You should want to have the free wins and then be able to control your destiny against the teams that you're chasing. I think that's a great setup for the Cardinals, and it's the one they, they, they face the rest of this season. So appreciate you guys remaining on the grind with B-Shape Daily. If you're just new to the show now, make sure to subscribe. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you search B-Shape Daily, click on the episode, click on the subscribe or follow buttons, and make sure you stick with us for the remainder of the season. Things are starting to get interesting for the Cardinals, and we'll be back in Adam this week talking all about the games and the postseason scenarios and what remains ahead for the Cardinals. Corbin Burns, Adam Wainwright on Tuesday. It's going to be awesome down from Bush Stadium. I'll have a podcast late Tuesday night. It'll be up for your commute on Wednesday morning. Hope you listen. Appreciate you guys, as always, for sticking with me. We'll talk to you next time on Be Shafe Daily. Peace.